Pastor Xavier Reese with the simple truth and the secret to spiritual growth. You know, the Marines are looking for a few good men. The Lord Jesus is looking for a few good nobodies to make them somebodies. What a contrast, huh? We always want to bring our goods to the Lord. He's looking for nobodies so he can make them somebodies. It is the work of the Spirit. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. It's often said there are two things you can be sure of, death and taxes. Well, for the Christian, you can also count on struggles, trials, and heartache. Today, in our study of God's Word, Pastor Xavier brings up three important principles necessary for facing the struggles of ministry. Let's join him in the New Testament book of 2 Timothy for today's study. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6 through 7. The message is entitled, Being Courageous. Paul the Apostle has expressed his gratefulness to God for his influence over his thoughts regarding Timothy, as we saw in our last study, rather than focusing upon his own imprisonment and condition. Paul takes his own experience of God's Spirit to strengthen him in this difficult situation. And now he takes this thing and he uses it to encourage Timothy to be courageous in light of the difficult situation that Christianity found itself in at this time. So what we have in these two verses, verse 6 and 7, is Paul's call to Timothy to be courageous in view of three things. Let me read. Therefore I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands, for God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. And so here are the three things that identify Paul's call to Timothy to be courageous. First, Timothy was to be courageous in view of his faith, the first portion of verse 6. Secondly, Timothy was to be courageous in view of his gift. And thirdly, Timothy was to be courageous in view of his sufficiency in the Holy Spirit, verse 7. And so he begins here with Timothy was to be courageous in view of his faith, Four words. Therefore, I remind you. The beginning of verse 6. The word therefore, as you know, is always the conclusion of what has preceded. So the same here. In view of the fact that God moved me to pray for you, Timothy. In view of the fact that God moved me to yearn for you, Timothy. In view of the fact that God moved me to acknowledge the genuineness of your faith, Timothy. In view of these things. Here's the conclusion. The material that follows is the product of what has preceded. As God reminded me, I remind you. As God would not allow me to be gripped by fear and the spirit of fear, I remind you. As God answered me and empowered me, so I know he will answer and empower you. That's so good. Because he's ministering from a personal relationship. He knows his God. 1 John 5, 4 and 5 says, For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. He who has overcome the world 
but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Timothy was to be courageous in view of his faith. But notice, secondly, Timothy was to be courageous in view of his gift. For he says, therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift that is in you through the laying on of my hands. Notice first that Paul reminds Timothy to stir up the gift. Some have taken this to mean that Timothy was waning in the faith. And they read too much into it. The backdrop is persecution. Timothy's at Ephesus. The backdrop to the exhortation is Christian persecution. The phrase to stir up is made up of three words, and it appears only this time. The word ana means again, the word zoe means life, and the word per means fire. The word was used of an amber whose flame had subsided. As I said, the tense here is in the present. Listen, keep on blazing or fanning the flame. In other words, Timothy was doing that, and Paul is simply saying, keep on doing what you're doing. Paul reminds Timothy that the gift is in him. And the word gift, as you know, is charisma. Many different forms, charismata, different things like that. But it means grace or the gift denoting extraordinary power enabled by God for Christian service. It's a work of the Spirit. The gift of the Holy Spirit are imparted to the believer as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith, Romans 12, 3 tells us. So we don't choose these things. We don't say, well, I want to be an evangelist. I want to be a pastor, teacher. No, God disperses them sovereignly as he wills. The gift of Timothy is not named. You go through 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, but it appears for certainty that he had the gift of teaching. And for sure, the gift of pastor-teacher, which is a hyphenated gift in Ephesians 4, because he's left over the church. The reason why you and I can be courageous in our service to God is because he will only hold us responsible for what he has called us and gifted us according to the measure of faith in Romans chapter 12, verse 3 and 4. He's going to hold me responsible for being a pastor-teacher and for the gifts that he's given me that go along with that. But he's not going to hold me responsible for something that he didn't enable me for. So I don't have to fear. All I have to do is find out what that is and then yield myself so that it can be manifested and do the best that I can as I yield to him. Another reason why you and I can be courageous in our service is that the gifts of others strengthen and enable the effectiveness of my gift. See, my gift is going to enable you and strengthen you to manifest and exercise your gift better. The things that you do are going to help me and free me so I can do my gift better. And all the gifts and all the operations put together build up the body of Christ, even as your entire body Paul says in Ephesians 4, all the ligaments, all the joints, all the muscles, all working together, it makes a strong body. And that's what God desires. Another reason why we can be courageous is that all that is done by us is done through us. And God gets the glory. He's the one that does it. In fact, 
Paul reproving the boastful Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 4, 7 says that, For who has made you to differ from another? And what do you have that you did not receive? Now, if you did indeed receive it, why do you boast as if you had not received it? It's God who does it. Timothy was to be courageous in view of his gift. Notice thirdly, Timothy was to be courageous in view of his sufficiency in the Holy Spirit. Listen to verse 7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. Now notice first, Paul explains to Timothy from the negative perspective that God has not given him the spirit of fear. Some say the word spirit should be capitalized to indicate that the reference is to the Holy Spirit. Others say that it should not be capitalized because it does not refer to the Holy Spirit. Well, let's do a little inductive study here, okay? So we can see what it's supposed to be. There are several things we need to consider that will help us decide. First, there is a close relationship between that which is not given and the gift given to Timothy by the laying on of hands in the previous verse. Okay? There's a contrast there. Secondly, God is the one giving something to Timothy. It's not Paul. The word given is in the arrow's tense, pointing to a specific occasion, most likely 1 Timothy 4.14, as we pointed out in 1.18. The graces that are named, as you notice, are divine endowments that are communicated by who? By the Holy Spirit. Therefore, the spirit of fear is not the product of God's doing or giving, is it? It is the product of the human spirit that is dead in trespasses and sins. Before we knew Christ, we were fearful many different times. And had no way to be strengthened. No idea of what was right or wrong. What we should do to an extent. But it's also the product of man's spirit that has been born again, not depending on the Holy Spirit walking in the flesh. Because we still have those capacities, right? You and I have been there as Christians. We know better, and, and we get our eyes off the Lord, we get them in the situation, and we freak out. Maybe for a minute, maybe for five minutes, maybe for a day, maybe for a week, maybe for a month, maybe for a year. Therefore, the spirit of fear in our text is not directly speaking about the Holy Spirit, but indirectly it is from the negative perspective. Consequently, it should not be capitalized. For it is identifying the person's spirit, void of the strength and enabling of God's spirit, resulting in being fearful and uncourageous rather than courageous. You and I have those capacities when we don't walk in the spirit. Things come into our life, oh, shoot, we forget about the Lord. And we have to check that. God has not given us the spirit of fear. Notice, secondly, Paul explains to Timothy from the positive perspective now that God has given him as a believer the spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. The spirit of power, dunamis, God's supernatural power to live out the life of Christ. Acts 1.8, you should receive power from the Holy Spirit when he comes upon you. You should be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. 
Galatians 2.20, Paul says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. In fact, he's going to tell Timothy in chapter 2, verse 1, You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Timothy was by nature a timid individual from what we gather in Scripture. 1 Corinthians 16.10, Paul tells the Corinthians not to intimidate him. In 1 Timothy 4.12, he says, Let no one despise your youth. In 1 Timothy 5.23, Timothy was sickly. Now, I think maybe sometimes we can read too much into the text because I also have a problem with, with all that because God wants to glorify himself. And certainly for someone to be confident in themselves would be hard to give God glory, right? So how timid Timothy was, we'll find out when we get there. But see, I, I always think people think of Samson, this big old dude, you know, carries the gates of, of the town and puts them up in the hill and they, they think he's this Atlas dude, you know, like Schwarzenegger or something. Uh, I think Samson was like uh, Gilligan. <laughs> and that's why God got the glory. There's no big deal for a big dude to do that. But someone like Gilligan, that was Samson. So God could get the glory. Timothy could only hold on to all by the power of the Holy Spirit. Look at verse 13 and 14. Hold fast the pattern of sound words which you have heard from me in faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. The good things which are committed to you keep by the Holy Spirit who dwells in you. You and I cannot hold on to anything apart from the power of the Spirit of God. We are not sufficient in ourselves. And so Timothy was now faced with the Roman persecution, even as Paul says in 2 Timothy 4, 6, that he's ready to be offered up. Timothy needed to be endowed with the power of God's spirit to be courageous. There's some key words in the epistle. I'm not going to tell you where they're at. You look for them. Power, keep, charge, endure. <laughs> that brings me to the end of myself. It points me to God. The concept of power is communicated by the metaphors later on in chapter 2 of the farmer and the worker. Chapter 2, verse 6 and 15. The farmer and the worker, power. But notice, secondly, not only the spirit of power, but the spirit of love, agape. That which is sacrificial, that which is selfless. It's given to us in 1 Corinthians 13. Timothy was to yield to the fruit of the Spirit, according to Galatians 5.22. One fruit, singular, agape, and everything else a manifestation of agape. Timothy was to remember that the love of God had been shed abroad in his heart by the Holy Spirit, as Paul told the Romans in chapter 5, verse 5. Timothy was to know that Paul loved him. That's why he opens up the epistle and, and speaks of how he, he remembered his tears and his faith and all that in chapter 1, verse 5 there. Timothy was to show his love for Paul by coming to him in 2 Timothy 4, 9 and 21. Agape love is reciprocal. It's not one-sided. Too many Christians even live in the church and many marriages are one-sided. Agape is two-sided. It's reciprocal. And each is trying to outdo the other, yielding to Christ. It keeps no ledger. It does not boast. It is Christ living through us. But not only the spirit of power, not only the spirit of love, but the spirit, and we need this, a sound mind. A sound mind. 
The phrase means to be in control of self in the face of panic and passion. We've all experienced maybe an accident or something happened instantly, a, a crash or the stove goes up in flames or something or a kid falls and, and, and gets his hand caught in a door or something, whatever it may be. And, and there's two types of people, those that go, ah, 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 and they just freak out and the guy's getting smashed more or whatever. And then there's somebody, boom, they move, they move right now. This is the mind that we need to have. Then we don't freak out, but we move. We're stable. We're in control. The implication is a mind that is clear in its thinking and is not swayed or moved to act contrary to what is known to be right. Listen, you and I go through this test every stinking day. Every minute of the day, something comes. Okay, I know I, I should do this. What do I do? I got to make a decision. Do I keep a sound mind? This is what I need to do. This is what I know. The benefits of these three virtues are based on the believer abiding in Christ, walking in the Spirit. If not, we walk in the flesh. You have no other option, people. Either you walk in the Spirit or you walk in the flesh. The concept of a sound mind is communicated again in chapter 2 later on in verse 3 and 5 by the metaphors of a soldier and an athlete, those under pressure, those under stress, those that have a goal, those that count the cost. All three are the direct work of the Holy Spirit, not human ability. You know, the Marines are looking for a few good men. The Lord Jesus is looking for a few good nobodies to make them somebodies. What a contrast, huh? We always want to bring our goods to the Lord. He's looking for nobodies. So he can make them somebodies. A.J. Gordon, one of the founders of Gordon Cromwell Divinity School, told of uh, being out walking and looking across a field at a house. And, and beside the house, well, there looked like a man pumping furiously at this hand well pump, you know. And Gordon watched, and the man continually pumped just tremendously. All the water was coming out, and it seemed absolutely tireless. He just kept pumping and pumping and pumping without stopping. It was a remarkable sight to him. He couldn't believe it. And so Gordon started walking across the field. As he got closer, he could see that uh, it was not a man at the pump, but a wooden figure painted to look like a man. The arm that was pumping so rapidly and pouring forth was the result of the pump pumping the man, an artesian well. What a beautiful picture of how we are to be. That what God is doing is not because of our efforts. It's the Lord pumping us. It is the work of the Spirit. And then when people come and say, boy, you're doing good. Say, no, 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 it's the Lord. The closer they get, the more they should see clearly that it's not us. From afar, they're going to say, man, he is good. And the closer they get, nah, he can't be that good. It's got to be God. <laughs> That's good. When fear grips me, or you, we're powerless. We become crippled to be victorious. 
And so we must look to the cross because the cross is a stabilizer for all things. Whenever you doubt God's love or whenever you think that God's sold you short, you need to look to the left. You need to look to the cross. And when you see his arms extended out and you see the nails in his hands and his feet and you see his side pierced and you see the crown of thorns and you see him saying, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do, then it will bring you back to reality. And you realize how much he loves you and that he's only doing the good for your life. 1 John 4, 17 and 18 says, Love has been perfected in us, among us in this, that we may be, have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment, but he who fears has not been made perfect in love. Now, am I telling you this because I never fear? Listen, no. I had to be encouraged by people. I had to say, Lord, you know, what are you doing? God doesn't mind our talking to him like that, but I have to come back to it. I have to bring my mind back. I have to come back and become stable in what the word of God is telling me. When I recognize and you recognize the lack of power that is in our life to do what is required of us by God, then we are to be filled continuously with the Holy Spirit. That's the command. And we're to put on the whole armor of God, Ephesians 5.18 and Ephesians 6.10-12. Because it's a warfare. It's a spiritual warfare. And we cannot do it in ourselves. Even as Zechariah 4, 6 says, Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. When you and I are reluctant to be like Christ, then we must be courageous to yield to the power of his agape love, which is, listen, God-centered, not man-centered, not feeling-centered, not emotionally-centered. It is God-centered. Listen to 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8. Agape suffers long and is kind. Agape does not envy. Agape does not parade itself, is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoice in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, holds all things, endures all things. Agape never fails. Now, put your name in there. Let's see how far you can get. There's only two words that can fit that context. One is agape love, and the other one is Jesus Christ. Now, if you're abiding in Jesus Christ, you can make it through 1 Corinthians 13. If you're not abiding in Christ, you won't even get started. It's impossible. When we're in control and in a sound mind, we know that it's God's power, which will cause us to be more courageous, knowing that God will be faithful on our behalf. What does Paul finish this letter with? Chapter 4, verse 17 and 18. But the Lord stood with me and strengthened me, so that the message might be preached fully through me and that all the Gentiles might hear also I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. And the Lord will deliver me from every evil work, preserve me for his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. He says, God was with me when all these guys abandoned me. God was with me in my first hearing. God was with me in my second hearing. Yes, they pronounced me to be killed in the second hearing, but God is with me, and he's going to preserve me till that day. Now listen, you must listen to this man. This man knows what he's talking about. This man is pointing you to God. Timothy was to be courageous in view of his sufficiency in the Holy Spirit. Paul called Timothy to be courageous 
in view of these three factors. Timothy would be courageous in view of his faith. Timothy would be courageous in view of his gift. And Timothy would be courageous in view of his sufficiency in the Holy Spirit. People, we have no excuse. We need to be courageous. May God give us wisdom. Pastor Xavier Reese with simple truths on facing the trials of life. Now, today's message, Be Courageous, is available on CD for only $4. And this will also include what was shared the last time we were together. So once again, the title to ask for is Be Courageous, or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And please be sure and include the call letters of this station somewhere in your correspondence. This way, we're able to monitor the impact of this outreach in your area. It's one thing to join the army. It's quite another to fight in battle. Find out how you can become a devoted soldier for the Lord next time on Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California www.calvarychapelpasadena.com